Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello, Hello, this is Leslie Gist. You're listening to The Gist of Freedom at www.blogtalkradio.com slash black history. Tonight we have a special guest on the line. Miss Woody is on the line to talk about the NAACP of California celebration. Are you on the line? Yes, I am, Leslie. Great. Uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience? How are you all? I'm Woody Records Youth President, proud president of the Riverside Branch in uh, NAACP. Wonderful. So tonight we're going to be talking to you about some of the honorees. I know you have a list of 16. And we're going to, yeah. I know you're also in transit and you're very busy. So we're not going to talk about each of those people you're going to honor, but I think we selected four or five. Okay. Uh, let's start with the top of your list. Okay. Um, you know, we are honoring people who have never, actually, when we start to talk about um, honorees, we tend to look for people who are, in our opinion, are like unsung heroes and sheroes, people who go about their job and do what they're doing without a thought to have a pat on the back of any sort. They are working with people and helping people and improving the quality of life. So the folks that that I'd like to talk about, examples, we have Jennifer O'Farrell, who works for the uh, Operation Safe House. Jennifer's specialty Mm -hmm. is in the area of working with girls uh, of color and others in the horrid trade of human trafficking. She is an advocate for it, and she has risen the, the, the veil of human trafficking here in the Riverside County area so that more and more people are now aware of what's going on in that terrible thing. And in light of what's going on in Nigeria, you can see that that is a, something we need to stay on point regarding. Okay, uh, let's back up just a little bit. How did her name come across your desk? Was nominated by by one of the committee members Mm -hmm. who had worked with her. Okay. okay. Once they were, once mm -hmm. names came in from various places, people in the community, people on the committee, people on the executive committee, and then these names were. Uh, sifted out and kind of a, as I told you in the beginning, in terms of looking for the unsung heroes and sheroes, you know, who are doing good in our community and not necessarily looking for, you know, I did this and I'm I'm this and I'm that. And then based on that, then what have they done? And on the basis of that, then we 
began to select our people. Okay. Uh, I, I like what you said about what's going on in Nigeria. Could you yes. make that connection a little bit more clear how your nominee certainly, or your honoree? If you, certainly. If you, I, I, as we follow the news, the kidnappers are talking in terms of taking those four young girls and put, selling them. Mm-hmm. You know, putting them into slavery or selling them, selling their bodies. That's what happens in human trafficking. Unsuspecting young girls and young people who are many times, uh, you know, uh, lured away from their the comforts of their homes, and for you know, with the idea that they would get a, they have better things to do, or if they are troubled already. We'll take care of you. And then they put them into prostitution and, for all intents and purposes, human slavery. You know, and that's mm-hmm. the test of someone who wants to do them harm. Right. And since we're talking about uh, trafficking, let's talk about what, what, what else is in the news um, with the Saturday, Saturday Night Live skit, if you want to. How does that play into this human trafficking, and how is it related to your honoree? And if she was on the phone, what do you think she would say? I'm not certain what I, I, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. But, well, just to give you a little bit, um, Saturday, Saturday Night okay. Live has a new um, black comedian, which the uh, a lot of African Americans, not myself, but a lot of African Americans rallied um, around her to be um, uh, a part of the show. They felt that Saturday Night Live didn't have enough African American okay. women. Yes, I know that. Yes. All right. So they finally hired one, and she happens to be six foot tall. And her first night on, she's bragging about being a Mandingo type of woman back in slave oh. days, and she would have ha- always had a man because um, they would have bred her with somebody constantly because of her size. So there was a lot of backlash. Um, oh, dear. And last night, yeah, so last night we had an author um, from that wrote a book about Celia, the slave who actually murdered her right, right. rapist slaver, and she was executed. So, you know, that was oh. very popular on my Facebook page. And it all ties together one way or the other with um, Saturday Live and and I just seems like black women. You know, um, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Leslie, isn't it a shame that we're in 2014 mm-hmm. and we're still mm-hmm. having to fight the vestiges of slavery and that whole mindset and where they mm-hmm. want to put down, you know, right. it's, it's disheartening. It's terrible. And it's, it's more than a mindset. It's a heart set. It's a spirit set. And I think we Absolutely. have to go back. To the basics, which is the spirit that uh, helped us survive the wretchedness of the slave ship itself and everything that happened to us on these shores. And we've come a long way in America, you know, and I I appreciate the NAACP because you guys were at the forefront of a lot of the uh, the victories that we've, we've, you know, been able to enjoy as as a people on, on, you know, in in America. So I want to thank you, you know. Uh, for the work of the NAACP. Uh, let's move on to your next honoree. 
unless you want to say something in closing about that segment, then we can move on. Well, no, no, I can move on. Renee Hill. Okay. This is a young lady who is uh, the associate superintendent uh, for instruction um, and and media and that type of thing in uh, Riverside Unified School District. Mm-hmm. Ren, uh, Renee Hill is a type of, besides the fact that she's a champion in regards to literacy and bring, making sure that our young people are reading by the age of by third grade so that they mm-hmm. will have a chance, you know, in life so they can move ahead and, 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 and grow and be. But he is a young lady who has all of her career. She has been masterful of working behind the scenes to get the job done. Never has she ever tried to, you know, or even wanted to, be in the front to get the cats on the back when, in fact, it was because of the things that she's done that we are able to. We were able to do most many of these items. She's she's always that's just her personality. She would rather work in the back and just make sure the infrastructure's in place and everything that's necessary for success of our young people and promoting and pushing them. That's what she's about. Wonderful. Um, and she will be there. I'll just give the audience, because we didn't talk about the time and date of the affair. Could you just give us the logistics? Certainly. The Freedom Fund celebration is going to be Wednesday, May 14th, uh, 2014, from 5 to about 9.30. Now, I need to share with you that mm-hmm. I... Well, it's going to be, it's a fundraiser, so it's $75 per a ticket. However, we're going to make sure this moves really fast. We're going to have a um, type of, of uh, um, program where when you get there, you know, normally for fundraisers you have a, um, what do you call it, like a... Uh, you have a table where you're sitting down and you're eating a meal, right? This mm-hmm. will not be that kind of thing. Instead, you are going to have food stations. And at those food stations, you will have such things as assortment of cheese, grilled vegetables, and spreads, crisp crackers, and toast ports. Another station, you're going to have crawfish etouffee with steamed rice, mini pool pork, and shredded chicken sliders and a kale slaw. You're going to have Cajun griddle bossa with black-eyed pea caviar and country-fried steak on a mound of garlic, Yukon mash, and red-eyed gravy. And then we'll have dessert. We're going to have have, um, a salad auction. We're going to have uh, uh, a jazz combo, and we're going to have line dancing. Now, all of that, in addition to getting to every one of those uh, honorees and giving them an opportunity, we we will be giving them the flowers while they can yet smell them and giving them an opportunity to thank the people who have who's, on whose shoulders they're standing. Wonderful. That's, that's great. And it's an opportunity for their family 
the honorees family members will be there too, correct? Absolutely. Our theme this year is 50 Years Forward, the movement that changed the world. So we look at, we're looking at, in this time frame, there are many things that came to the forefront in regards to 50 years, one of them okay. being the March on Washington, which I had the privilege of participating in as a 16-year-old. Wow. Um, I was married uh, by Juanita Kid Stout. Are you familiar with Juanita? Juanita Kid Stout. She was for the NAACP, and she was the secretary to um, Thurgood Marshall. Yes. She also became the first judge. She became the first judge elected in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, yeah. That is so, um, yeah, she's. I didn't know who she was when she married me. I only learned more and more about her <laughs> as I got to know her. But we became friends, and um, from different for different reasons. But um, while we're talking about the history of the NAACP, um, we're all familiar with Thurgood Marshall. Can you tell us a little bit about Charles Hamilton Houston? Charles Hamilton Houston was the um, how would we call him? The consummate uh, attorney of the people. He mm-hmm. believed that uh, you're either a um, a uh, promoter of the will of the people and working for them, or this is what he called attorneys: either a promoter and someone who works for the will of the people to do good, or a pas- parasite on society. Okay. And he also was featured in the documentary The Man Who Killed Jim Crow. Absolutely. And that Absolutely. And and I have clips of that documentary on my YouTube page, which is the Gist of Freedom, um, on YouTube. And um Charles Hamilton Houston they have him carrying a casket or the the page has the casket being carried and it says, Here lies Jim Crow and um he was the person who filmed the black schools and the white schools uh, used technology back then in the case that helped to win the Brown versus the Board of Education. And we love Charles Hamilton Houston. So, you know, if the, if the NAACP didn't do anything, they did that with him. He was a great guy. Um, let's talk well, about your next well, one. Many of us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that, you know, I'm a strong believer that a man mm-hmm. or woman without knowledge of himself is like a tree without roots. And for right. too many of our young people today, they don't know our history, and they don't mm-hmm. know that many giants who on whose shoulders they are standing today. Correct. And as a result mm-hmm. of it, we, we, we are drifting through space, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the shame of it. You know, but your so event, terms, your event is helping us, to right. But but your event is helping to to give the the young people, you know, some exposure absolutely. to these giants, and that's why we have absolutely. to promote it. That's why you're One on the show. One of the show. things that we're doing mm-hmm. is many of the who have purchased temples and are donating at least ten uh, tickets to young people. 
mm-hmm. so they can see the giants and be amongst mm-hmm. them and touch them and talk to them and communicate and you know and, and be a part of. Right. That that's that's um very important. And um, you know, I salute you for what you're doing and all your honorees. And I know you only have a, about 15 more minutes to talk about them. Uh, who's next on your list? The next is Sue Strickland. Sue Strickland is, I call her Riverside Pioneer. She's been in the fight uh, for well over 50 years. She's a native Riversider. Her family came here and was one of those first families when came to Riverside. Uh, mm-hmm. Sue Strickland has so many accolades uh, in, in back of her and in front of her in regards to organizations that she's helped found. And she is currently the one of the co-founders of the African American Historical Society. She is also an esteemed educator who has, you know, was, was uh, retired now, but an esteemed educator. Uh, she and her husband not only raised their kids, but many kids here in the Riverside community. This is another lady who has never, has always contented herself to be the wind beneath others' wings. Wow. Wonderful. Um, do you want to talk about who nominated her? You know, who, you know, uh, do you guys divulge? There were so many. Yes. There were so many. As a matter of fact, to share this, we, as people were talking in terms of um, someone like Sue Strickland, uh-huh. and I said to them, she's, she's getting the Omar Stratton Award. Omar Stratton was the man who was accredited with founding the uh, 72 years ago, the um, Riverside NAACP. And oh, okay. so we're, you know, so they're looking around at who might be a good candidate for this. And someone, I'm not certain who, mentioned Sue Strickland, and I said, Sue has been recognized. You know, and I thought I wouldn't do it again, but I know that she's already been. And they said, I don't think so, Woody. And so we asked her. And much to my surprise, she had never been on it. I said, oh, no way, we're correcting this right now. <laughs> so we are proud to be able to do that. And you've been with the NAACP. You're, you're not just the president of the Riverside branch, but you're a regional. Um, That's correct. I am, a, I am the, the Region 1 secretary in the national office, and then I am a uh, area director for the California State Conference of the NACP. Now, what in your background and your childhood gave you a hint that you would be so active with civil, in the uh, civil rights movement? I grew, I grew up in Washington, D.C. I grew up in Washington, D.C. I am I'm a product of the 60s. I am, as I said, I, I marched in the March on Washington, and I was uh, party to all of that, the sit-ins and the and the you know the bus boycotts and the and the you know the, all of those kind of things. And I can remember living in D.C. when I was in, in when I went to college, uh, and I wanted to go south with the 
and the Greyhound and that kind of thing. And my mother would not allow me. She knew something about me that I had not admitted to myself because she knew that if I had gone there and someone had spit my face, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. Right, right. Wow. So you were you were just an activist, just it was just in your DNA. It's in my DNA. And I came here to teach at the high school and they had me it was right at a point where there was a lot of after the watch riots and all that, so it was unrest and mm-hmm. they were instituting in Riverside black history in the in the curriculum in the high schools. And so I came mm-hmm. to Riverside and because my major was history, they had me uh, start the black history classes. And so I had the full reign because then we were able to do, um, so we had black history one, black history two, and philosophy of black thought. And it was enough information that we were able to have a full semester, two semesters, and then a semester of philosophy of black thought. But I insisted mm-hmm. that the classes be uh, diverse and that mm-hmm. everyone, you know, black, white, and brown, come to class to learn and that there was never going to be a ignorant question. Everybody can ask mm-hmm. a question and we learn together. And so they were very well attended, uh, well, uh, you know, I had my classes were full all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I enjoyed teaching. teaching. I've wondered a teacher since I was five. So somebody in your family, and your mom probably was a little upset with whoever it was or someone in your community, had to influence you and to teach you a little bit about what was going on in these different organizations like SNCC and NAACP and Black Panthers. Who did your mom, you know, try to shy you away from so that you wouldn't get so, you know, riled up? Probably my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> my daddy had a nice great education, but when he died, they said that he was one who could walk with kings and still have the, you know, common touch. He was well read. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're breaking so, up. I'm sorry. You're breaking up. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can hear you. Talk about your dad. My dad was one of these who he read all the time. And he was, you know, we would sit, could not come to the dining room table reading or looking at TV or what have you. You had to have conversations. And our conversations were on current events. Mm. And we would sit there and listen. And then we'd have an opinion. And then we'd have a thought. And I, what I was going to say to my mother, what I appreciate, was that she would not allow us to just talk anyway. We had to enunciate and pronunciate and have word mm-hmm. derivation and understand. So that's where I, I came into the whole mindset. That I, and my family is like that. All there were eight of us. Trust me, mm-hmm. we, <laughs> we all are students of history. Wow, awesome! So you have a library in your home. 
Oh, definitely. Much to some, excuse me, much to some chagrin because I don't throw away any books. Right. Now, one of my first books that my mom bought me was on Nat Turner, children's book. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. What is one of the books that your your dad and your mom bought you and you remember that, you know, that you can remember today? Carter G. Woodson, The Miseducation of Black People, Black Folks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wonderful. And we know who he is. And uh, could you tell the audience about Asala? Uh, I don't know if I pronounced it. His, um... You there? By Carter G. Whitson and then yes. his uh, association. Right. Carter G. Whitson, the founder of Black History, was the, uh, he founded a, an organization called the Association for the African-American Association for the Study and Life, Life and History of African-Americans, or Life and History. And he published a journal. 1916, he published that journal in in a continuous uh, print since 1916, and which brings me to one of the last that I can talk about. Dr. V.P. Franklin is going to get the GRIOT Award, and he is the editor of Carter G. Woodson's uh, journal, and he is a professor here at UCR. Wonderful. Uh, well, I had a great time talking to you, and I learned a great deal. I hope that you'll come back on and talk to us as a historian because uh, you have a lot within you and a lot to share and I, I wish you and um, the NAACP a lot of success with this event. And uh, in closing, uh, would you give uh, the audience the logistics and some parting words? Well, if I would like to invite people to our website, um, Riverside NAACP, www.naacp-riverside. Dot org. Wonderful. And I guess that's all we have to have everybody there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that, we, that we'd love to have people there. It is not too late to call in and get a ticket or go right there to the website and, and uh, you know, and, and sign up. It's not too late. We'd love to have you. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to end with a little speech, 13-minute speech of Ida B. Wells. Um, Oh, wow. And that will be the end of the show. Uh, And Ida B. Wells, could you introduce the audience to Ida B., Ms. Wells? Ida B. Wells, an educator and a suffragist who um, communicated to all the importance of uh, equality for women and for the uh, rights of everyone in terms of uh, uh, education. Wonderful. And this is a speech written by Ida B. Wells, but it is performed and read by Ms. Uh, Ruby D. So, again, thank you, and we'd love to have you back on. Have a good night. Thank you. Please have your back on. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.
One of the most militant opponents of Booker T. Washington's philosophy of accommodation, a heroic fighter against discrimination, and the person who had more to do with originating and carrying out a crusade against lynching than any other was Ida May Wells. At the early age of 19, as editor of the Memphis Free Press, she began her campaign against lynching. Threatened by white supremacists, if she continued her exposure of lynchings, she defied them but took care always to carry two pistols for protection. In 1892, she published an article revealing that the lynching of three successful Negro grocers was the work of their white competitors. Her press was destroyed, and she would have been lynched had she not been in Philadelphia covering a convention. Miss Wells went to Chicago, where she joined the Chicago Conservator, and then lectured throughout the northern part of the United States and in Europe on lynching. She was among the first to point out the falsity of the charge of rape as explaining lynching. In 1894, she published A Red Record, the first book to document the crime of lynching. A year later, she married Ferdinand Lee Barnett of Chicago, lawyer and later first Negro assistant state's attorney in Illinois. In 1898, she was the spokesman for a delegation of women and congressmen to President McKinley to protest the lynching of a Negro postmaster. An active member of the Niagara Movement, she was also one of the signers of the call for the National Negro Conference in 1909 and later a founder of the NAACP. Mrs. Wells Barnett delivered the following address at the 1909 conference. The lynching record of a quarter of a century merits the thoughtful study of the American people. It presents three salient facts. First, lynching is color line murder. Second, crimes against women is the excuse, not the cause. Third, it is a national crime and requires a national remedy. Proof that lynching follows the color line is to be found in the statistics which have been kept for the past 25 years. During the few years preceding this period and while frontier lynch law existed, the executions showed a majority of white victims. Later, however, as law courts and authorized judiciary extended into the far west, lynch law rapidly abated and its white victims became few and far between. Just as the lynch law regime came to a close in the West, a new mob movement started in the South. This was wholly political, its purpose being to suppress the colored vote by intimidation and murder. Thousands of assassins banded together under the name of Ku Klux Klans, Midnight Raiders, Knights of the Golden Circle, etc., etc., and spread a reign of terror by beating, shooting, and killing colored people by the thousands. In a few years, the purpose was accomplished, and the black vote was suppressed. But mob murder continued. From 1882, in which year 52 were lynched, down to the present, lynching has been along the color line. Mob murder increased yearly until in 1892 more than 200 victims were lynched and statistics show that 3,284 men, women, and children have been put to death in this quarter of a century. 
During the last 10 years from 1899 to 1908 inclusive, the number lynched was 959. Of this number, 102 were white, while the colored victims numbered 857. No other nation, civilized or savage, burns its criminals. Only under the stars and stripes is the human holocaust possible. 28 human beings burned at the stake one of them a woman and two of them children, is the awful indictment against American civilization, the gruesome tribute which the nation pays to the color line. Why is mob murder permitted by a Christian nation? What is the cause of this awful slaughter? The question is answered almost daily, always the same shameless falsehood that Negroes are lynched to protect womanhood. Standing before a Chattaqua assemblage, John Temple Graves, at once champion of lynching and apologist for lynchers, said, The mob stands today as the most potential bulwark between the woman of the South and such a carnival of take. The mob today stands as the most potential bulwark between the women of the South and such a carnival of crime as would infuriate the world and precipitate the annihilation of the Negro race. This is the never-varying answer of lynchers and their apologists. All know that this is untrue. The cowardly lyncher revels in murder, then seeks to shield himself from public execration by claiming devotion to women. But truth is mighty, and the lynching record discloses the hypocrisy of the lyncher as well as his crime. The Springfield, Illinois mob rioted for two days. The militia of the entire state was called out. Two men were lynched, hundreds of people driven from their homes, all because a white woman said a Negro assaulted her. A mad mob went to the jail, tried to lynch the victim of her charge, and not being able to find him, proceeded to pillage and burn the town and to lynch two innocent men. Later, after the police had found that the woman's charge was false, she published a retraction. The indictment was dismissed and the intended victim discharged. But the lynched victims were dead. Hundreds were homeless, and Illinois was disgraced. As a final and complete refutation of the charge that lynching is occasioned by crimes against women, a partial record of lynching is cited. 285 persons were lynched for causes as follows. Unknown cause, 92. No cause, 10. Race prejudice, 49. Miscegenation, 7. Informing, 12. Making threats, 11. Keeping saloon, 3. Practicing fraud, 5. Practicing voodooism, 2. Bad reputation, 8. Unpopularity, 3. Mistaken identity, 5. Using improper language three, violation of contract one, writing insulting letter two, eloping two, poisoning horse one, poisoning well two, by white caps nine, vigilantes fourteen, Indians one, moonshining one, refusing evidence two, political causes five, disputing one, disobeying quarantine regulations two, slapping a child one, turning state's evidence three, protecting a negro one, to prevent giving evidence one, knowledge of larceny one, writing letter to white woman one, asking white woman to marry one, Jilting girl, one. Having smallpox, one. Concealing criminal, two. Threatening political exposure, one. Self-defense, six. Cruelty, one. Insulting language to women, five. Quarreling with white men, two. Colonizing Negroes, one. Throwing stones, one. Quarreling, one. Gambling, one. Is there a remedy, or will the nation confess that it cannot protect its protectors at home as well as abroad? 
Various remedies have been suggested to abolish the lynching infamy. But year after year, the butchery of men, women, and children continues in spite of plea and protest. Education is suggested as a preventative. But it is as grave a crime to murder an ignorant man as it is a scholar. True, few educated men have been lynched, but the hue and cry once started stops at no bounds, as was clearly shown by the lynchings in Atlanta and in Springfield, Illinois. Agitation, though helpful, will not alone stop the crime. Year after year, statistics are published, meetings are held, resolutions are adopted, and yet lynchings go on. Public sentiment does measurably decrease the sway of mob law, but the irresponsible, bloodthirsty criminals who swept through the streets of Springfield beating an inoffensive, law-abiding citizen to death in one part of the town, and in another torturing and shooting to death a man who for three score years had made a reputation for honesty, integrity, and sobriety, had raised a family, and had accumulated property, were not deterred from their heinous crimes by either education or agitation. The only certain remedy is an appeal to law. Lawbreakers must be made to know that human life is sacred and that every citizen of this country is first a citizen of the United States and secondly a citizen of the state in which he belongs. This nation must assert itself and defend its federal citizenship at home as well as abroad. The strong men of the government must reach across state lines whenever unbridled lawlessness defies state laws and must give to the individual citizen under the stars and stripes the same measure of protection which it gives to him when he travels in foreign lands. Federal protection of American citizenship is the remedy for lynching. Foreigners are rarely lynched in America. If by mistake one is lynched, the national government quickly pays the damages. The recent agitation in California against the Japanese compelled this nation to recognize that federal power must yet assert itself to protect the nation from the treason of sovereign states. Thousands of American citizens have been put to death, and no president has yet raised his hand in effective protest. But a simple insult to a native of Japan was quite sufficient to stir the government at Washington to prevent the threatened wrong. If the government has power to protect a foreigner from insult, certainly it has the power to save a citizen's life. The practical remedy has been more than once suggested in Congress. Senator Gallinger of New Hampshire, in a resolution introduced in Congress, called for an investigation with the view of ascertaining whether there is a remedy for lynching which Congress may apply. The Senate committee has under consideration a bill drawn by A.E. Pillsbury, formerly Attorney General of Massachusetts, providing for federal prosecution of lynchers in cases where the state fails to protect citizens or foreigners. Both of these resolutions indicate that the attention of the nation has been called to this phase of the lynching question. As a final word, it would be a beginning in the right direction if this conference could see its way clear to establish a bureau for the investigation and publication of the details of every lynching so that the public could know that an influential body of citizens has made it a duty to give the widest publicity to the facts in each case that it will make an effort to secure expressions of opinion all over the country against lynching for the sake of the country's fair name, and lastly, but by no means least, to try to influence the daily papers of this country to refuse to become accessories to mobs either before or after the fact. Several of the greatest riots 
and the most brutal burnt offerings of the mobs have been suggested and incited by the daily papers of the offending community. If the newspaper which suggests lynching in its accounts of an alleged crime could be held legally as well as morally responsible for reporting that threats of lynching were heard or it is feared that if the guilty one is caught he will be lynched or there were cries of lynch him and the only reason the threat was not carried out was because no leader appeared. A long step toward a remedy will have been taken. In a multitude of counsel there is wisdom. Upon the grave question presented by the slaughter of innocent men, women, and children, there should be an honest, courageous conference of patriotic, law-abiding citizens anxious to punish crime promptly, impartially, and by due process of law. Also to make life, liberty, and property secure against mob rule. Time was when lynching appeared to be sectional, but now it is national, a blight upon our nation mocking our laws and disgracing our Christianity. With malice toward none, but with charity for all, let us undertake the work of making the law of the land effective and supreme upon every foot of American soil, a shield to the innocent and to the guilty punishment, swift and sure. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.